For most people, that pint of ice cream, that Ben and Jerry's, no big deal. Uh, but this becomes a problem when food is your go-to and it is the way that you handle adversity in your life or it is the way that you practice self-care and feeling good. Hey, my name is Cheryl Witten, and this is the Aromatherapist Podcast. My newest book, Essential Oil Dilution Guide, is the antidote to confusing aromatherapy instructions and bad recipes. This is the book you need to undo everything you've learned on the internet. In this book, Essential Oil Dilution Guide, I explore how to use essential oils safely. You can learn with me about essential oils and allergic reactions, irritations and sensitizations, phototoxicity, methods of application, types of carrier oils, how to dilute by age and health condition, the right way to ingest essential oils, contraindications for pregnancy, epilepsy, children, and more, and the aromatherapy secret everyone wants to know, the blending formula you need to finally properly calculate your own DIY recipe or blend. Essential Oil Dilution Guide is available now on Amazon. My guest today is Cassie Christopher, who is a body positive registered dietitian and a health coach for women. She is passionate about helping women heal emotional eating by loving themselves well. She supports her clients to create unapologetic self-care practices from a sense of connection to their bodies and desires so they feel comfortable in their own skin, in control around food, and energized to live a life they love. So today we dive into emotional eating and what it looks like and adaptive strategies that we can use to sort of move forward and build a healthier relationship to food. We talk about some of the dangers of moralizing food and some of the ways that the wellness industry is also a culprit in in promoting disordered eating. And so Cassie is a complete joy and I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode as much as I did. And so my friends, Cassie Christopher. Hi, Cassie. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. So you are a registered dietitian and I am going to pick your brain today about emotional eating. And before we dive into it though, can you tell us a little bit about how you decided on nutrition? Yeah. You know, for me, I grew up as like, okay, food tastes good. And we try to make it convenient. Both my parents worked, you know, that kind of stuff. And so it never occurred to me that food um, could do anything more for us than just kind of keep us alive or or give us enjoyment. Um, But when I was in in, uh, my undergrad, I started having some digestive issues or I'd had digestive issues for a long time, but finally found someone who could help, which was a registered dietitian. And she was able to help me in a way that no one else on my medical team was able to help me. She really listened to me. And I remember having a conversation with her where she's like, oh, it's finals week. She's like, eat walnuts and blueberries. And that, that's going to help your brain. And I'm like, who, who is this person, this crackpot, right? Like telling me to eat walnuts and blueberries for finals. And while, you know, now that I've gone through the science of it, I don't necessarily think that walnuts and blueberries during finals week is like going to make sure you score that test. Um, I do understand that that food has been created in a way to, to nourish us and help us be our optimal best selves. And that's really what got me interested And then I'm on this path now, um, helping people understand why they're emotional eating and and healing from it, uh, because I realized emotional eating was a problem for me in grad school when I was studying nutrition, learning about all these various diets, learning about how to optimize your health. 
getting honestly a little bit orthorexic, you know, which is that term for um, the eating disorder where you're so focused on, on clean eating and, and wellness and everything has to be perfect. Uh, and in that space, I would volley back and forth between being rigid and restrictive and only eating like green things, right? And, uh, and then emotional eating to handle the anxiety and the stress of the environment I was in probably the stress of all that restriction too, if I'm being honest. Um, And, and so, you know, I became a new dietitian wanting to help people with food, super excited and passionate, and yet struggling with that back and forth volley all the more. And, and so had to go on a journey then to figure out what was actually going on because we all think when we're struggling with eating that it's our fault and it feels so shameful and guilt inducing um, when, you know, I'm sure we're going to get into this. There's a lot of good factors for why you might be emotionally eating. It works. And, uh, and, and so I had to kind of go on that journey. I actually completely relate to orthorexia. Like that is as, as someone who has a lot of chronic illness and a lot of health problems, Yes, everything seems for a while they're like, everything made me sick. So then it was like, yes. okay, what, you know, and how do I optimize what I'm eating in order to make my gut work better. And it just becomes like super obsessive. And then, yeah, same sort of volley. Like, oh, I'm so tired of eating like this, you know, and then binge on like mm-hmm. ridiculous amounts of food. Yeah. Good comfort food, but all from in that emotional basis. So I am excited to talk to you about this. So can you explain for anyone who doesn't, maybe isn't familiar, what exactly is emotional eating? And I mean, we were, we've already mentioned some disordered eating, is it disordered eating or is it something that we naturally do? Yeah. Yeah. I I so appreciate this question. Um, so I define emotional eating as using food to numb discomfort or to feel pleasure. And the reality is we do the emotional eating because it works. And there's that sitcom stereotype. It's also the same stereotype that's in my cozy murder mystery novels. If anybody reads those, it's in there too. That it's like the, you know, girl gets broken up with and she gets a pint of ice cream or her friends bring her food, right? And, you know, cries over the pint of ice cream and then the next day she's better. And the reason that that's such a prevalent trope is because we do it in real life and it works. Um, Food activates feel-good neurotransmitters, feel-good hormones. It allows us to have that, uh, that disconnection from the discomfort that we might be feeling. And it allows us to feel good, even if just for a moment. So For most people, that pint of ice cream, that Ben and Jerry's, no big deal. Uh, But this becomes a problem when food is your go-to and it is the way that you handle adversity in your life or it is the way that you practice self-care and feeling good. And so really for emotional eating, it's one of those things where it's not a problem until it becomes a problem. Uh, And it becomes a problem when you're doing that volley that we talked about going back from restriction to binging, or even if it's just restriction to overeating, when you're having a lot of anxiety about food, when you're feeling out of control with food, or you're using food to control your environment. And so emotional eating certainly can be a symptom of disordered eating. And that's really where I help people when emotional eating starts to impact their quality of life, not when it's just something that happens occasionally. And so why exactly do we emotionally eat? Is it 
is it about stress or is it like a biochemical issue or is it like we're not self-aware or is it like when we're dieting we go flip the other way or is it all those things it's a hundred percent all of those things and more (laughs) emotional eating is like the it's complicated relationship status on facebook um and i like to talk about emotional eating both the causes and the solution in four main areas we've got body we've got mind Um, heart and soul. And so when we're thinking about the body, it really is that nervous system piece, that cortisol that you mentioned. And the research shows that when cortisol is elevated, people tend to make less healthy choices. Now, I love that there's research for that, but we probably didn't need someone to tell us that stress eating is a thing. (laughs) And yet we have it. But I think the thing that surprises people is there is more than just that psychological stress that can cause the cortisol imbalance that can cause that nervous system activation and lead towards eating. I see it a lot. I work in women over 45 and inflammation can be a big problem. Autoimmune issues, you know, gut issues. I'm sure some of these same things you're talking about, uh, blood sugar imbalance. So if you're not eating all day, you're probably going to emotionally eat at night and honestly, Honestly, the easiest fix for people who struggle with after dinner emotional eating is just to eat more regularly throughout the day, get your protein, get your fiber, because that's going to help balance your blood sugar, calm that nervous system, you know, things like menopause, sleep disturbance, obviously psychological stress, all of these things can uh, upregulate that nervous system, get you kind of wired. Something that people don't often think about that I see is very connected with emotional eating is a history of trauma. Mm-hmm. Because trauma then wires your kind of rewires your nervous system to be more likely to get activated. And so the women I work with oftentimes have been through therapy, you know, maybe multiple therapists, maybe they've tried different medications, this, that, and the other. Um, they've, they've worked on their trauma and they, uh, they feel okay with that. And yet they're still having this struggle with eating. And, and to me, that's that difference between, you know, getting the headpiece right and, and getting that figured out and then telling your body, calming your body down, letting your body know it's safe. And, and so that definitely can have an impact. And uh, that's the body piece I mentioned mind, you know, here we're talking about mental patterns that set you up to, uh, to emotionally eat. You mentioned dieting ding, 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 right? Mm -hmm. That all or nothing thinking where you're either following the diet perfectly, you know, you're not having a single one of the no foods or you're a failure. That kind of thinking then results in, well, it doesn't even matter. You know, I might as well just finish the whole bag. I had one. I might as well just keep going. None of it even matters. I don't even care about this or food's going to be my reward. Like there's a lot of thought patterns that trip us up and lead to feeling out of control with food and, and really feel like, I think the thought patterns are the big self-sabotagers, um, Mm -hmm. where we're like, why can't I just make some progress here? Why can't I feel good about my eating? Why am I always doing these things to myself? And it's oftentimes those thought patterns, which can change luckily. And then of course we've got heart. So a big piece of emotional eating is using food to numb discomfort. 
So here we have to learn how to safely feel our emotions. And the way I do this as a registered dietitian, I'm not a therapist, is I help people with self-compassion. I use Dr. Kristen Neff's self-compassion framework, which is you know, therapeutic, but not a therapy. And essentially you learn to accept that you're feeling emotion and you're having emotion, which honestly I think can be the hardest thing. Cause a lot of times we don't want to be stressed. We don't want to be upset with our parents, our boss, our kids, who our husband, right. Whoever, right. Like we don't want to be pissed off at everybody. Um, and you know, and, and sometimes there's the rage and there's the anger that comes from not having boundaries or, or like expectations from other people, all of these things. And we don't want to feel those things. So we eat as a way to uh, get some distance. And, you know, oftentimes people will come to me and they'll say, everything you're saying, I can resonate with it weirdly, but I don't think I'm an emotional eater. Like, I don't know what my problem is. And the reason they don't think they're an emotional eater is because they're not aware of the emotions that are driving the eating. And that's the, the amazing thing about food really is that it allows you to numb. Someone described it to me as food helps me zone out. She, Mm -hmm. she, while she's cooking dinner, you know, at the end of her long, stressful day, she will, she'll sometimes even binge on cheese or just have a lot of cheese in particular. That's her food. And, and, you know, part of it here is probably she didn't eat enough during the day. So she's starved, right? Like, so there's some kind of simple fixes, but then it's also the fact that everything feels stressful and overwhelming. And when she's sitting there eating that cheese kind of hand over hand, she gets a break. She gets to feel good, especially, you know, cheese in particular has got, um, got some really powerful compounds in there that, that can make you feel good. So there's the, the body, the mind, the emotion, and then lastly soul. And this is where we think about pleasure and we think about, um, you know, what makes us feel good. Are we, are we, do we have space in our lives to feel good on a daily basis? A lot of women I work with feel like they shouldn't feel good. You know, we've been socialized often as women to be what uh, philosopher Kate Mann calls human givers. And, and so creating space to give to ourselves and, and really take care of our kind of deeper needs can come back then. And we don't need food for pleasure. So I'm hoping that makes sense as to why we emotionally eat. And then those things start to inform what we can do to solve the problem as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I know for myself too, there's a lot of like value in like good food versus bad food, but also how, how we eat. Um, it makes us a good person or not. Like, I mean, you were talking about feeling guilty about uh, eating to certain foods. And I think that's a cultural thing or like a dieting industry thing that we've been put under, but then that, that kind of feeds into like the guilt after you have some food too. So I, I hope we can get into that in a little bit about how we're going to get around that. Yes. <laughs> um, but what are the impacts of emotional eating on our health? So what, so in the short term, it, it helps us, you know, or can relieve our emotions. Um, but what can happen with emotional eating over time? Yeah. So I've never heard of somebody emotionally eating a carrot. <laughs> true. And anybody out there, you know, prove me wrong. I'm on Facebook, shoot me a message. Tell me if you're like, it's me. I've, I've emotionally had a carrot. Okay. You know, we can talk. Um, but, but the, it really comes down to the things that we emotionally eat. And here's what is 
fascinating. So interesting to me. You, you talk about the value of food. I would call that moralizing. We mm-hmm. moralize when we say, you know, these foods are moral. These foods are immoral, the good, the bad. Now I would argue that morals and food have absolutely no relationship, no, no connection uh, at all. Um, and, and, you know, we can talk more about that, but But the thing that's really interesting, and you've mentioned the diet industry several times, I would say wellness is another kind of industry that, um, you know, is maybe the wolf in sheep's clothing saying, oh, I know it's about being healthy. It's not about losing weight, but the same impacts can can apply. Um, And not to say, you know, there are impacts on not choosing more carrots in our life. Like research shows that eating these um, foods that we know to be less healthy, the high fat, high sugar, you know, high refined carbohydrates, they increase our risk for chronic disease. Now in the population that I'm working with, um, women will often, as they start to connect with their bodies and trust themselves more, they will start to see, oh, this specific food makes my joints hurt. You know, it increases my personal inflammation. Uh, I was talking to a woman yesterday who for her it's diet Coke and she loves the heck out of diet Coke, you know, like that is her, that is her food that she really loves or her drink. Um, but she's recognized that when she has diet Coke, it makes her joints hurt. And so in the past, if she drank diet Coke, it was like, oh, I'm bad, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm bad. This is a bad thing I'm doing. But as we're working towards unlearning that moralization of food and recognizing all foods are good, all foods have a place, you know, you're focusing on your own personal self-care and you're learning what works for you, which is going to be different from what works, you know, for someone else then you can start to, uh, to, to look at food from that standpoint of, is this beneficial for me? Is it not? If it's not beneficial for me, I can still eat it. I may still choose, you know, to eat that food and I will know that I will have some consequences and, and that's okay. It's okay for me to suffer consequences. It does not mean that I'm less worthy of love and connection with other people, which is what shame is. And we mm-hmm. often feel shame from the food choices we make because they, they've been moralized. And also because food is connected to weight. And especially for women, there's a lot around, I mean, this, this applies to men too, but you know, there's a lot around fat phobia and weight stigma. And there's all of these things that if you live a, apart from that ideal image of beauty in our culture, you know, you are going to be shamed. You are going to be told you are less worthy of love and connection with other people. Um, and so then food gets roped into that as well. And so again, it's, it's more unlearning that has to be done because yes, emotional eating can impact our health. And that's part of the reason it's, it's a good idea to get control of it because you don't want to be doing this for decades and decades and wake up one day and, you know, really be, be struggling with some real health consequences. Um, and yet we, we can't just focus on the healthy foods. We have to focus on mentally healthy relationship with food as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you mentioned the wellness industry because we're really like the wellness industry is terrible for like superfoods and yes. miracle foods, you know, like rather than talking about, okay, overall, this is, this is a healthy way to eat. Um, and let's look at nutritional status, but also let's look at behaviors. Like we don't talk about behaviors. So Okay, so what do we do if we notice then that emotional eating is becoming an issue and we, we can't really can't really stay in balance? Where do we start? 
Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, the first place that I always recommend that people start, and I'll give you three specific areas. And as people are listening, they can, um, they can kind of decide what's the, the best for them. Um, but I do want to say too, <clears throat> I hope it's okay to share this. You can go to cassiechristopher.net forward slash free. And I have this emotional eating roadmap that lays out these four key areas. We've talked about the body, mind, heart, soul, and gives people an idea of what it looks like to heal and, and what it's going to take and what you're going to be surprised by. Um, if, if you d- decide to download that is it's not about food, really. I mean, I hope that that's becoming clear as we're talking, that obsessing about the food is actually how we kind of got into this problem to begin with, or made the problem worse if we're maybe predisposed to emotional eating for one reason or another. Uh, And so the solution can't be more obsessing about food. Um, And as I say that, you know, I always recommend people start with the nervous system, really calming that nervous system down, taking a look at your life. I mean, let's be honest, women being stressed, women struggling with sleep, these are also really loaded and stigmatized and kind of shameful areas. Like, you know, it's like, Oh, you got to care for yourself, girl. Like you need to be um, eating all the salads and getting all the sleep and you need to say no to people and don't be so stressed. If I had a dollar, okay. For every medical professional who told me just to not be so stressed out. Um, (laughs) I wouldn't be working. Okay. <laughs> I would be on a beach relaxing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And, and so we get this message. You need to calm down. So that's not the message I'm trying to give you. What I'm trying to share with you is there may be other reasons for the stress in your life. Like we talked about the inflammation, the, you know, history of trauma, the blood sugar imbalance throughout the day. And so, and so as you're thinking about what's causing your nervous system to, to, you know, maybe feel out of control or, or, or just be upregulated. A number one approach that conversation with self-compassion in your head. Um, and when you notice that shame where you're starting to feel like you're not good enough, um, or you have these kind of extreme words in your head, like failure or, you know, should these words, um, to, to go, okay, I can be, may I be kind, may I be kind, may I be kind to myself as I'm thinking through this. And because when you stop the self-judgment, then you can actually start to problem solve and see what's going on. But when you're stuck in self-criticism, which is so common for people who struggle with emotional eating, sort of beating ourselves up about what we're eating, about our bodies, about what we said or didn't say, or how we're not sleeping enough, or <laughs> our doctor told us to be less stressed. There's a lot going on in the mind. Am I right? <laughs> like that was a snippet. And I hope everyone's going, Oh my gosh, is she seeing into my thoughts? I've been there. That's how I know. Um, we, we want to non-judgmentally take a look at all of these things, but in particular, the nervous system and how can we calm that down, lower inflammation and reach out to maybe uh, a medical professional like you, Cheryl, or a functional medicine doctor, someone who can help us really address these issues. Uh, if you know you have a history of trauma and you're wondering if that perhaps is, uh, is impacting you and you've never really worked on that, maybe it's time to find a counselor who specializes in trauma. Um, 
and you can look through your insurance and look for people who take insurance. You can go to psychology today has got a database that you can look and you can actually on their database. I like it because you can filter for people who specialize in trauma. My one recommendation for anyone looking for a therapist right now is call them and leave a message. Don't expect what's, you know, your electronic message is probably going to go to their spam, you know, on their contact form on their website, those go straight to spam. Um, mm-hmm. Even the psychology today messages, those usually are just going to their spam. So call them, leave them a message, uh, call a bunch of them. Cause a lot of them are full right now. Thanks to the, <laughs> thanks to the life we're living. So there's that. And know also that you just, you're surviving, you know, currently surviving a, a pandemic and that's traumatic as well. And, and that can have an impact as well. And then the third thing I would say, so, so really care for the nervous system. If you have a history of trauma, work on addressing that. And then thirdly, self-compassion. Uh, and, and I think this ties in again, but um, just pay attention to your thoughts, pay attention to how you're treating yourself uh, and, and work towards self-kindness, work towards acceptance of how you're feeling rather than fighting that you're having feelings because that's going to lead to more eating. Yeah, beautiful. And I think when it comes to information, I think we've also seen that this past couple of years that information about what to do or how to like even food and healthy living, it's so confusing. Like you can find everything under the under the sun on the internet about what to do. So which does not help, which just no. adds to stress, just adds to the am I doing it right kind of yes. you know, thing. Sometimes stress people also have. Yes. Um, so so in terms of nutritional education, what do you want to see change here? And maybe even the way we intersect food and eating and emotional health. How, what do you want to see change either in the industry or for individuals? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I, I so resonate with all the advice out there and everyone and their brother has advice. And I mean, in the same way that essential oils have become right. Like such a thing that everyone's giving you advice on and there's MLMs and there's all these things. Right. Um, and anyone can kind of start to say (laughs) here, this is why blend it's, it's the same way with nutrition. Anyone can call themselves a nutritionist and they have their ideas. And, you know, of course I look at what people say and I'm like disordered, disordered, (laughs) um, because so much of it is anytime someone is absolute or all or nothing or moralizing food, that is not promoting a healthy relationship with food. And so that to me is the one where if I could see anything change in nutrition education, it would be more compassion with our nutrition recommendations. It would be removing the stigma of morality. Like you are good or you are bad depending on what you eat. And that really has a lot to do with diet culture and the way that, um, dieting and women's women's bodies and, and men of course too, but, but really it's, I think it started with women's bodies and it's, that's the biggest influence right now. Um, <clears throat> being, I don't know, objectified. And, um, and so then a lot of personal, self-esteem issues if your body is different from the norm. And so what I would love, love, love to see is more of a shift towards what works for you personally. Um, And people realizing that different things work for different people. There's some basics, you know, get that protein in regularly throughout the day, get your fiber regularly throughout the day. Probably fruits and vegetables are going to make you feel better than, you know, processed food, right? Unless you have digestive issues and then fruits and vegetables Mm -hmm. could make you feel really crappy. And so then that needs to be addressed, right? But, but the answer isn't necessarily 
uh, is never really cutting food out. It's about healing the relationship with food, maybe healing the body so that the body can have a healthy relationship with food and focusing on, uh, on a more nuanced understanding of what health looks like rather than this all or nothing moralizing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Cassie, for your time. I appreciate your perspective and your amazing expertise. Um, I love talking about nutrition. Um, where can our listeners find more about you, find your programs? Yeah. CassieChristopher.net forward slash free. You can download my free guide. It's the emotional eating roadmap for people who are done dieting, but they still want to heal emotional eating. Like they know they're struggling based on what we've talked about. Uh, but they know the answer isn't another list of foods not to eat. Uh, mm-hmm. You can also find me on Facebook, Cassie Christopher RD. And I do have a private Facebook group. Um, it's free emotional eating and women's wellness community. You can search for that and learn, uh, join that and, and learn more about how I help people and, and get some advice and tips on healing emotional eating there. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It was so great to, to meet you and to hear from you. Thank you. All right, beautiful people, thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast. And we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils. So head over to Instagram and find us at the Aromatherapist Podcast. My name is Cheryl Witten, and I am your aromatherapist. We have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer. Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.